want to thank you for being at church today, and I want you to pray with me. I just want you to pray this would be interesting. Um, so I know I've never said that in my life um, for this, but the reason is, is that I'm so excited about this, and every time I get excited about a message, it's a dud, you know? And so, because I just love it, and then you try to give it back, like you're, you're so excited about it, it's just like it always falls flat. And tonight is really different for me, because I'm going to read a lot of this. And so I pray that you will uh, be attentive to, to what I'm going to say, because, you know, I don't memorize my messages. I just kind of, you know, study, and then just pray, and then just have a burden from God and speak it. But there's so much of this in the continuity that needs to be said. And I just pray that you'd stay with me and listen to this because it really is phenomenal. Um, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how exciting your word is. I thank you, Lord, that we get to eat the meat of your word. And Father, we don't have to just drink milk all the time. I thank you, God, for the depths and the glory of your wisdom. And that we get to plunge that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we can know things that our brains could never comprehend because of the Holy Spirit, because of the mind of Christ. And we just desire to be strong in our inner man. We desire to have a full capacity of relationship with you, Father, that your power could work in us. And Lord, you would be able to do things that we can't even dream because you can. And let us be able to see those things unfold in our generation and in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. So Ephesians chapter 3, I want you to turn there. While you're turning there, I just want to bring you kind of up to speed on some things in my heart. I have been talking about the kingdom of God, and I want to continue to do that a little bit tonight. I want you to understand that, as I've said, when Jesus Christ came to earth, he was able to say that the kingdom of God is before you. The kingdom of God is at hand. And the demonstration of that kingdom was in power, not just in word. And so Jesus Christ performed miracles. He healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out devils. This is kingdom work. It's never supposed to stop. When Jesus died and he rose again, and from that was birthed the church of Jesus Christ, this was to be the continuation of the kingdom of God. We are to go into all of the earth and continue to be the demonstration of that power. The dead are raised, the cripple walk, the blind see, the devils are cast out. Because the kingdom of God has not diminished. Jesus told us when he was about to leave the earth in his ascension that go into all of the world and tell them and teach them everything I've told you. All authority is mine and I'm with you wherever you go. So wherever we go, we are walking in all authority because Jesus is with us. And so we need to have a confidence and a faith of what God has given us in our life. Our life and the kingdom of God is a direct threat to the kingdom of hell. We are the, the greatest threat on this planet to, to the devil's strategies and the devil's kingdom. And so he is afraid of a church that's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's not afraid of church, but he's afraid of a church filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in Pentecostal power. Now, that's not name only. That's real experience that you really have the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you probably don't give devils too many problems. But this is the promise of Jesus. I call it Jesus's baptism because he said you will receive power after that the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
And beloved, I pray that you would desire this power, not not just for a few minutes in an altar, but passionately until you have the faith to believe that you have received what Jesus indeed has promised you. So in Ephesians chapter 3, we come into this revelation of something that has never been known before. And he said, Paul said, I'm a prisoner of Jesus for Gentiles. And he said, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. As I wrote a four and few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So there's a mystery that nobody has ever known as far as humans. Jesus certainly knew about it. He spoke of it. But nobody knew about this. The Old Testament prophets did not know this. They did not see it. This was revealed to the Apostle Paul in its functionality and in its purpose. And this mystery of Jesus Christ is the church of Jesus Christ. And that is the mystery. And this is something that God has had in his heart the whole time for all of eternity, Ephesians 1 tells us. And so he says this in, in, in verse 5. In other ages, this was not made known to the sons of men, but it is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. And so Paul's made a minister of this according to the grace of God that was given to him with power. And he humbles himself in the fact that he gets to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. What an incredible thing to be able to do. But he's given this mandate is that he is sent into the world to make men see this. And he says that in verse 9. To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. So the mystery is the church. And so the fellowship of the mystery is the church's fellowship. And to be, to be simple about this, the church's fellowship is that it would function like a human body functions. That Jesus would be our head and we would be the many parts that would make up the whole, which is the body. And just as the human body values every part of its body, that we would value every part of the body of Christ, which is you. It's, it's all of us that makes up the body of Christ. And that we would not forsake that assembly. That we would not forsake coming together to edify one another. It's imperative that the gifts of the Holy Spirit move through our lives. Because that's how the body of Christ is nourished and built up. Just even in the small time of prayer we had tonight for one another that might be fighting battles. And so he tells us this in verse 10. And this is what I kind of want to focus on. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church. And that's the first time he's using the word in regards to this mystery. That it might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. And so if God's manifold wisdom, and it's kind of like a a a, a 
country scene, you know, it's like a landscape. If you were to take in the whole landscape, there are many different views, many different angles, many different colors, many different typologies or type of, of, of the terrain and everything else. And you're taking the whole thing in to get one picture of it. This is like the wisdom of God. It is so manifold. It goes back from eternity past all the way into the eternity of the future. And it explains the wisdom of God. And the only way that this wisdom of God is going to be really demonstrated is through the church. And the church has to fellowship for this to take place. You should really want that to happen if you're the church. This should be like one of the greatest passions of your life. That God's wisdom would be demonstrated to principalities and powers. How many of you understand that there are demons? There are fallen angels. There are devils that are in allegiance to Satan. And this is a highly structured power. This is a highly structured kingdom that is not haphazardly thrown together. But it is, it is put together with wisdom and it is led strategically, of course, Satan being the chief one. But underneath Satan would be many different delegates and authorities and powers throughout the demonic host that would fulfill their operations in the world of men. And for centuries they have. And so we come along suddenly... We come along, 120 people walk out of an upper room. What did they do? They turned the world upside down. They confronted these powers and turned it upside down. This is the power of God. 120 people did this. And so this is, well, really the power of God in 120 people did that. And this is the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so I want to talk about that for just a moment. The, the kingdom of God, the power of the kingdom of God, and the church of Jesus Christ, and the success of man when the church is healthy, and, and the, the decay of man when the church is sick. I want you to just think about it like that. And I'm not talking about your success. I'm talking about the success of society. When the church is healthy and the erosion or the decay of society when the church is sick. And of course, if the church is not well, then it's going to be seen in the church by the erosion of marriages and rebellious children and, and sickness or defeat or depression or whatever else might be inside the church of Jesus Christ. Which is not a sign of the kingdom of God, but somewhere it's a sign of levity or compromise. That we need revival, and if we got revival, then that would be thrown out, and the glory would come back into the church, and the light would come to our communities, and these demons would be turned upside down again. How many of you understand there's a lot of demons in Baton Rouge? There's a lot of demons in the United States that have a lot of authority in our government, a lot of authority in our entertainment system and our educational system, a lot of demons, a lot of devils. And so I want you to understand that this is what we're fighting and it's the church's job to show the wisdom of God. And so I just, if you would just concentrate on what I'm about to tell you, but I go back to the beginning of time 
When man submitted himself to the rule of Satan because he broke the law of God and he took the forbidden fruit and he ate it. Not in deception, but in willful rebellion against God, the man ate the fruit. And from that moment on, he willfully submitted himself to the powers of darkness. And when he did that, they jumped on it and wasted no time to bring havoc into God's creation. And from that time, the gods ruled the world. They reigned over tribes and nations, kingdoms and empires. They subjugated cultures and mastered civilizations, infusing these civilizations with their spirits, saturating these cultures with their images, and possessing entire nations. They were enthroned in marble temples and shrines of wood and stone, by trees and rivers and sacred groves and on mountaintop sanctuaries. Their statues and carved images would look down at the worshipers who are offering their sacrifices and blood to these demon gods. Kings bowed to them. Priests sang their praises and performed their rituals. Armies went off to war and laid cities to waste in the name of their gods. And children, the rich and the poor, the free and the slave alike, exalted these gods, worshipped them, entreated their favor, invoked their power, danced to their music and festivals, dreamed of them, loved them, served them, worshipped them, and feared them, dreaded them. These gods haunted the ancient world. The gods were in every land and enthroned on the pinnacle of every major culture and civilization from Egypt to Central America. Babylon, China, Polynesia, Persia, Russia, Assyria, Ireland, Rome, India. The gods were everywhere ruling the world. Wherever there were people, there were gods. They reigned over nations, over cities, over cultures, over nature, over the underworld, and over the heavenlies. Not gods, though. Their presence permeated the lives of their subjects. But their dominion came to an end when a baby was born in an obscure village in Bethlehem. An invasion occurred with power. This baby, Jesus Christ, exposed this kingdom and ruled over them with authority and power like no one ever had. On the cross, he broke their kingdoms and sent them tumbling down. He exposed their fear and shined the light on their lives. He unmasked Satan as the accuser and the father of lies, and he slew the dragon. Baal was defeated, Ashtoreth was defeated, Apollo was defeated, Thor, Zeus, Diana, and so many others were all defeated. They did not cease to exist, but they were defeated. And in their defeat, they raged for revenge. 
waiting for revenge, planning for revenge, strategizing for revenge, because these demon gods don't die. They just look for another way to get their kingdoms back. They were expelled from the high places, banished from the palaces of kings ever since that baby came, driven out of the public squares, cast out of their temples, and removed from the lives of the people. Their groves were neglected, their shrines abandoned, their altars left in disarray, and their sanctuaries in ruins. No longer were they worshipped or feared. No longer were their songs sung or their festivals celebrated or their holy days observed. No longer were they believed in. Through his church, Jesus would continue to manifest his wisdom and power and triumph over these gods. The Roman Empire would fall. The church would come through the early persecutions with a great glory The gospel, God's love, God's forgiveness would overcome the reign of these gods in other countries and cultures. Polytheism and pantheism of the Greco-Roman world would give way to belief in one God. The mythological pagans and the mythological pagan gods would yield to the word of God. And the spell of the gods was broken from the people. Jesus anointed his followers and invested them with power to deal with these devils. The church, full of the power of God, came out of the upper room. The kingdom of God invaded, and wherever the church went, the demigods fell. The faith and gospel preached through the church broke the ability of these gods to transmit their prophecies through priests and priestesses. The gods worked through Rome to silence the kingdom of God. The emperors of Rome called for all-out war against the church of Jesus Christ. Every demonic kingdom joined together to exterminate this young church. The gods even tried to enter into the church to rule it from within, but that failed. Their kingdoms collapsed while the kingdom of God grew. The skies were no longer filled with their thrones. And the earth was no longer haunted by their travail. Their names no longer inspired fear and awe. Their festivals attracted fewer worshipers. Their shrines were abandoned. Their temples fell in ruin. Gone were the kings who declared themselves to be God or divine. Now the kings knew that they were but men and they would bleed and they would die and they would bow to Jesus like every human would. Everywhere the gospel went, the devils fled and the kingdoms of men were enlightened. The signs of possessed civilizations would begin to disappear. No longer would the dramatic tribes gather in the forest to hang their victims on sacred trees as sacrifices to their god Odin. No longer would the Slavs offer up their prisoners as slaves and sacrifices to their god. No longer would the Aztecs tear out the beating hearts of their victims in honor of the sun god. What happened in the Roman Empire would be repeated throughout the earth. The phenomena of a civilization set free from the gods 
and cleansed of the spirits was something new in world history. It had never happened before. The gods ruled until the God came. The gods were sent into exile, cast out, and became memories and echoes. Their kingdoms fell. Nations they ruled disappeared. Empires collapsed. And new civilizations were born that would herald God's word and God's kingdom. From new civilizations, the church printed the gospel and sent missionaries into all of the heathen world. And billions were converted to the kingdom of light. In the absence of these gods, man charted the earth, vanquished nature, dissected the fabric of life, and codified the universe. The forests were no longer enchanted. The shrines were no longer sacred. And nature was no longer magical. The individual was as valuable and no one was more valuable than another. Every man had inalienable rights given to them by the God who made them. Women were sacred and were to be treated as equal heirs of the kingdom of God. The poor and the weak were no less created in the image of God than the rich and the powerful. Kings were no more gods than the beggar. Life was of great value. Sexuality would be treated as a gift from God. Children would no longer be abused or mistreated. Emperors and rulers, governments and kingdoms could no longer claim the authority of godhood. They were humans. Subservient to the God of heaven. But recently, things have changed. And the gods are on the rise. And the gods are on the rise because of Romans 1. The church is bored with God. The people of God are content with the form of godliness, but they have denied the power thereof. And the gods are taking over. Not a little bit, a lot. The whole world. We stopped glorifying God and we went back to these evil spirits. We began to change the image of the uncorruptible God into an image like corruptible men. And the gods came back. The door was opened and they took it like they did with Adam in the garden. They've come back with a vengeance. These demons don't die. They don't even go away. They're exiled until the light dims and the waters dry up. Because there are two things that the gods cannot stand. Two environments that the gods cannot live in. They live in darkness. Their kingdom is darkness. Therefore, if the light is great, the gods are banished. They cannot set their lives into action. And they have no root to indoctrinate the people. Because the light is too great. But if the light is diminished... 
then the gods are attracted to the shadows and eventually to the darkness. And the gods hate the water. Jesus told us that devils, when they go out of a man, they they go through the earth seeking dry places. So the gods love darkness and they love dry places. And the two things that Jesus Christ gave to his church, although there are many more things, but the two qualifying things that Jesus gave to his church was light. You are the light of the world. Don't hide this light. Let it be a light upon top of the table. Be a city on a hill. Because Jesus knew. Give it the cover of darkness and the gods are back. And he gave us the baptism in the Holy Spirit because this is what comes out of your bellies, living waters that you should receive. Those who believe on Jesus Christ, this he spoke of the Holy Spirit. And if the church would continue to be the light and walk in the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit, there would be a river of life and the gods would not survive. And the thriving of the gods is because of the diminishing of the church and the diminishing of the believer to be bored with it all and to not care. Most Christians are content with one service a week. We have no idea, we have no understanding of what we're turning our culture over to, our society over to, our young people over to. We have no conscious awareness of what actually happens when, when Christians gather together every day and worship God. Because all that happened in Romans 1 was they didn't worship God. They didn't glorify Him and they weren't thankful. Oh, they sang their songs, they sang their hymns, they may have even attended church. But they weren't doing it in worship and praise and faith. And so the diminishing of the church comes. The light would dim, the water would become scarce. The power of God would be replaced with a form of godliness and the love of many would wax cold. The doctrines and seductions of devils would become more and more rampant in the end times and infiltrate even the church that Jesus wondered, would I even find faith when I come back? The church would trade the truth of God for stories that would tickle their ears and the preachers would give it to them. We were more concerned for the crowd than the presence of God. We were more concerned for our numbers and our fame and our money than we were the fact that the people that we preached to were going to actually go to heaven when they died and be with Jesus forever. This is not surprising because God himself foretold these things to occur. God is not caught off guard and he is not shocked by the way things would unfold. Jesus said to the church that you are the light of the world. Jesus said the night is coming when no man can work. So Jesus is not surprised that the shadows are being cast and the sun is setting and the darkness is coming. And very soon a night is coming to this world when no man can work. Jesus said that would happen. But he said through the apostle Paul, you are the light of the world. You are the day. The night has not come. If we want to see something done to this culture, we need to be the light of God. And we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of God. 
Parents, you should desire to see your children filled with the Holy Ghost of speaking in tongues much more than you want to see them make good grades in this world that's going to perish. And I'm not saying their good grades are not important, but they're not as important as their walk with God. But even though that night is coming, there is a future and a glory that is coming. For Jesus Christ will return to this earth with the sons of God in their manifest glory. And the glory of God is going to fill the world. And the light and the glory of God will fill the earth. And hell will be banished and Satan will be banished from this earth. And all evil and all wickedness will be uprooted. The gods would return. They sure would. They don't die. Baal did not die. He was exiled. Jezebel did not die. She was exiled. She's back in this world and culture today with a fury. Just look at what Jezebel is doing to your children. Gentilia mutilation. Look what Jezebel is doing. This is the demon god of millenniums ago. Back with a vengeance because the light of Jesus in his church is growing dim. And the water of the Holy Spirit is more in theology than it is in experience. Do you hear me? So the answer is right there. Thank God, glorify God, worship God, praise God, enter into God's presence, live for God, be kingdom minded and let the light come back. Because I promise you, demons cannot succeed in a home where there's light and water. Astroth is back. Baal is back. Molech is back. These demon gods from thousands of years ago are back with a vengeance. Not just in America, but all over the world. They have come with seven times more evil and wickedness with them. They have come to attack on and on again, wave after wave, mercilessly, the heralds of God's kingdom. So, well, now those who preach the true gospel of Jesus Christ and preach in Pentecostal power and authority can hardly draw a crowd while showmen will draw thousands. While people who are infatuated with spiritual phenomena and not much care of truth just want to see something supernatural. The doctrines of devils and seducing spirits These demons would seek to divide the church because they heard Jesus say that a kingdom divided against itself shall not prosper. So from the moment they were exiled, they tried to divide the church. A little bit of gossip, a little bit of slander, a little bit of suspicion, a little bit of exposure, a little bit of accusation. Divide the church, divide the people, make them mad at each other, make them hate each other, make them not talk to each other. And to the degree of that weakness, we'll wedge ourselves in a little bit at a time and a little bit at a time and a little bit at a time. 
Those demons attack the kingdom of God to divide the church. They cannot do it unless we let them. They would not rule as they did in the past. They will inhabit new seats of power, new thrones and new shrines and new temples. These would involve entertainment, government, and education. They gave themselves new names, enlightenment, freedom, power, racism, wokeism. They would come as gods who denied that they were gods. For they don't care. They just want your worship. They began working their spells, prodding and impelling, tempting and seducing, drawing away, uprooting what was planted and planting what was not, overturning, transforming, moving ancient markers and breaking down ancient hedges and opening up gates that should have never been opened. They would inhabit our institutions, walk the halls of our governments, cast votes in our legislatures, guide our corporations, gaze out from our skyscrapers, perform on our stages, and teach in our schools. That's right. Baal, Moloch, Jezebel. They would possess the globalists and they would hold summits in Europe like they're doing right now. Planning, strategizing. The demise of humanity. They control the media. They direct the news cycles. They inspire entertainment. and Perform on stages, stadiums, and TVs. They would teach our children and indoctrinate them into their lives. And we as Christian parents would give our children to them. In the name of education and career. And bettering ourselves. The church would let it happen. We would let them into our homes through the television. We bought their albums and attended their concerts. We probably, even in our churches today, there are probably a lot of Christians who sing more of the worship songs of these false gods than they do the worship songs of God. Listening to the music of these gods is worship to the gods. Just like the worship songs to God is worship to God. We took our kids to their schools and universities. We gave our children to Moloch. Through weekend sports and weekend entertainment. We stopped going to the altar of God and we went to their altars. We stopped giving God our money and we gave them our money. We stopped praying and we stopped praising. Jezebel is creating eunuchs today. In the name of freedom. In the name of tolerance. In the name of gender identity. And you stand up against it, and Jezebel is going to come after you. You've watched it on TV. 
You've seen it on your YouTube videos. Somebody stands up against Jezebel. Somebody stands up and says, no, no, no. A woman is a woman and a man is a man. You are what you were born with. Your chromosomes define what you are, what your gender is. But today in this world, which probably to me has happened like what, in two years? How could something like that sweep the earth in two years if it's not a demon god? By the name of Jezebel, who creates eunuchs. And Moloch, the slaughter of our children. The babies that have been aborted for decades. And not only that, children today are laid on the altars of Moloch every day through education, Disney, witchcraft, movies, vampire shows. Twilight, laying them on the altar of Moloch. We think it's all innocent fun. But it's not. Look at our culture. The evidence is there. The signs are there. Entertainment. Things that take us from God. And Baal. Back with a vengeance. Back with a vengeance. Baal is the bull. His statue is in Europe. His statue is at Wall Street. There's no masquerading of it. It's Baal. The new slogan, even being implemented by Christians today. This is the year of the bull, the year of the ox. That's horoscope, people. But Christians are doing it. In the name of prophecy. It's Baal. Financial institutions. Controlling you by investment and money. Making you more concerned about this world than that world. That's Baal. And what's more about Baal was he was the god of thunder, the god of lightning, the god of the things. And what is the biggest thing? What is the greatest crisis in the world today but the climate? Baal. Baal worship. And today, all over the world, people are worshiping Baal and Molech and Jezebel and many other of these gods that were put away at the birth of King Jesus and the advent of that church out of that upper room on the day of Pentecost. And there have been dark periods where these gods made an advancement, but the church rose up and put them down. We call these moments awakenings and revivals in human history where the tide turned because the gods were coming back. But the church rose up and became the light again and were filled with the Holy Spirit again. And the power of the Holy Ghost rested upon men and women and boys and girls. People were hungry for God. And the gods were destroyed. And the gods were sent back into exile. Beloved, I say to you, send them back into exile. Send them back. I believe that this is the greatest moment in human history for the church of Jesus Christ. I believe we are on the eve of the greatest harvest the world has ever seen. 
I believe that the light of God is increasing. And I believe that the hunger of God is increasing. But I believe, and I, and I hate to say this because I wish it didn't have to be this way. But I think that one of the greatest things that's going to codify or bring together or unify the body of Christ is this little thing we call persecution. Because we're too comfortable. Something has to slap us upside the face to wake us up. Wake up, man. But we won't. And so God loves us too much that something will come and shake it. And it's not God's fault. But it's the way the culture goes, the way the world goes, when all of the authority and powers in the church of Jesus Christ to be able to do something about this and to be able to stop this. There is always a remnant. The night is not here. The day is still at hand. I do believe that the greatest harvest is before us. And I believe that the greatest humiliation of these gods is coming. I believe that with all of my heart. Do not be a kingdom divided. Do not be a half-hearted Christian. Do not be content with a form of godliness when you know that the power of God is not being exercised in your life and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not operating through you. It is time to get out of comfort zones. It is time to get out of ourselves. It is time to quit coming to God in the flesh saying, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not good at that. I don't know if God will ever... And it's time to just take a step of faith as a soldier of Jesus Christ and believe that the Holy Ghost lives in you. It's time to stand up and it's time to speak up. It's time to challenge the gods. But please, for God's sake, don't challenge them if the power of God's not upon you. They will crush you. You will cower. You don't have the strength. You can't not match them. Only Jesus Christ. And the thing about this church of Jesus Christ is the fellowship of it. Because I can't do it without you. And you can't do it without me. And we can't do it without the rest of the body of Christ in Baton Rouge. We have to be together. We have to walk together. For as he is, so are we in this world. We have to come together. The church has to be the church. And we have to maintain what this church of Jesus Christ is all about. Because it's about freedom. And it's about life. And it's about joy. And it's about peace with God and righteousness with God. It's about holiness. It's about deliverance. It's about the forgiveness of sins. It's about prodigals coming home. It's about pagans looking for Jesus in life because they're sick of the darkness that they've been living in. And the church of Jesus Christ is a refuge, a city of refuge in the world today. God's provoked me with a message about that. The city of refuge is the city of the church of God. The cities of refuge and the Old Testament days were established all throughout Israel that whenever anybody was in danger of their life, they could get to a city of refuge in less than half a day, wherever they were in Israel. And the roads had to be cleared. There could be no obstruction on those roads. And that tells me that that was a future that was pointing to the church of Jesus Christ. That the church of Jesus Christ would be a city of refuge all over the world. And people who are running from Satan would be able to get to that church and find power and victory and life. Dear God, let First New Testament Church be a city of refuge. Let it be that. 
And it's not going to be that because I say this. You've got to fight for it. And you know what you have to fight? You have to fight gossip, and you have to fight slander, and you have to fight strife, and you have to fight dissension, and you have to fight the anger in your heart and the bitterness in your heart, and you have to fight what offends you. I've been offended. Join the club. Who hadn't been offended? My God was offended. I follow the offended one. Should I not be? And so we continue and we go and we serve the Lord. Wake up you that sleep and Christ shall give you light. And then, according to Ephesians 5, that light will reprove the world. That light, not your Bible study, not this pulpit, but the light of Christ will reprove the world in a way of mercy for the prodigals and the lost and the broken and the hurting. The gods are on the rise. Our God has not lost any influence. He has not lost any power. He just needs a people who believe him. That's all he needs. Be that people. Stand with me. Be that people. I pray this was interesting to you. Father, I thank you. Dear God, let us be that church. Can we just get in this altar together and stand? Can we just stand up here and lift our hands to God? Come on, can we just begin to pray? Oh God, we want to be that people. I just I just want us to pray we'd be that people. Y'all, we need the Holy Ghost. We need to be the light. Listen, if you don't know if you're awake, you don't know if you're asleep, just ask the Lord. Wake me up. Help me by your grace to be light. Help me by your grace to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't want a form of godliness without the power of God. I want the power of God. I want the power. Come on, just open up your heart to God. Open up your love to God. Put away your offenses. You're hurt. You're tired. You're wounded. You've been abused. Welcome to humanity. But we're not victims, we're chosen because through these things that we have faced and we have gone through, it breaks us to power. It humbles us to glory. In my weakness, He is strong. In my weakness, His grace is sufficient for me. How many of you are weak tonight? It's not a bad place to be. Just let grace come. Let the power of God come. Can y'all just begin to sing? And can we just begin right now just to lift our voices up to God to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Let's praise Him. Come on. In Romans 1, we are to thank Him and we are to glorify Him. Would you just begin to do that? Just just begin to thank God for things that He's done. Just begin to glorify Him for things that He's done. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in your spirit.